Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. This week, uh, myself, Rob and Sam are joined by Carlos Doughty. He is the CEO, founder and course instructor at LXA, which was formerly the MarTech Alliance. Welcome, Carlos. How are you? Hey, cheers, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all good. So, I mean, you call Scott Brinker the godfather of, of MarTech, right? So, you know, as a Brit, I think we should call you the king of Martech or <laughs> or maybe even the knight of next gen. But um if, if you're if you're ever around my team, you'll hear them give me constant shit because someone produced a terrible blog calling me the prince of Martech. Prince, uh, not <laughs> even I, king. I know, I'm saying it was like it was so like underhanded. It was like there's no need for that. All I get is uh, just absolute ribbing about being the prince of Martech. At least it's not the jester or anything, which is good. Well, it's just, that, just the prince. <laughs> right, there's there's loads we want to talk through. So I think let's just dive in. So let's start even before the MarTech Alliance. You spent um, you a decade in marketing at Euromoney, which is where we met, geeked out together over MarTech. Is it fair to say that LXA came about from your frustration of, of not really getting what you needed as a marketer or the ability to be agile and introduce new tools and workflows that you know would uh, have an impact? Yeah, I think um, there's one part of that that's true. And there's one part which is, I would almost say, part of what led me here as well, which is your money, cool, interesting company. Um, you learn a lot, It's but it's a FTSE 250, or at least it is right now. And what does that mean? It, it kind of every company of that size has its good and bad things. The great stuff was always, at least at its heart, it was very entrepreneurial, let you run around, make things happen. Um, and over time, things change and become slightly different and yeah when you get to a point where you're like i just want to get it done i want to get it done i want to make things happen then yeah there's a part where you go well there's a bunch of tech that allows you to move with speed and impact with no messing and you run with it you make things happen and sometimes yeah things get overly complex too many meetings too many conversations too much thinking not enough doing and so there's one part, yeah, MarTech is a nice thing. It's It democratizes technology, right? It enables people to move with speed and impact. And so I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm an impatient person in my nature, yeah. which is helpful and unhelpful. But um, yeah, being in an environment where you couldn't move as quick as you wanted to, you look around and go, well, how do I work around this? Yeah. How do I, I do something where I'll ask for permission later? Or what's the expression? Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah, um, that's exactly. the one, <laughs> And I think, yeah, I think Marsec can enable that. It's 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 a lovely thing that if you can, instead of queuing up to convince someone in IT that your project's mega important and that should definitely happen, that, you know, there's somewhere in between you have the tools in front of you that allow you to get it done, then it's it's a nice thing. Yeah. So basically you're a man of action. Um, <laughs> and But I think that, that that makes sense, obviously, especially for, for startups, right? But then you understand for these large FTSE 250 companies, they want enterprise solutions. They want economies of scale. They want consistency. But that comes with, you know, things taking longer to set up and manage. You know, from a MarTech point of view, is, is that still the case? Do you still find that disparity? I think there's a scale with these things. I think I don't think I don't think if it's binary. And I think, you know, there is amazing marketing technology that requires a lot more time and is slightly less nimble and rightly so because it might have a hell of a lot of infrastructure considerations and scalability considerations. So I don't think it, it sort of sits solely in one place. I would say marketing technology is beautiful because it democratizes and allows the shit to get done quickly. At the same time, it depends what tool 
what scenario, what environment you're working in. So it's not as it's not as simple as it's one or the other. And I think the other thing is, in fact, there's there's somebody Scott you mentioned already who put this a lot more eloquently than me, which he talked about bimodal marketing and this concept by which there are certain things which should be just get it done. Get moving, make things happen, incredibly agile, little. I mean, I don't, I'm slightly paraphrasing here. I'm saying little to no documentation. It's like, make it happen. You don't need to be talking about it. You could have it live and understand something. And there's other things which clearly need deeper governance, a lot more considerations, a lot more infrastructure, and a lot more background. And so it's the balance between those. When is it, you know what, at some point, you've just put something on a site and added a lovely piece of JavaScript code that was quick and simple using GTM. And you think it's brilliant. It's amazing because you've done it quickly, but actually it's bloated your website. You've got SEO downturn as a result and it was quick and easy, but had a detrimental consideration. And then the reverse of that is if you have to send over a load of documentation to add something to the Google tag manager and it takes a month to get it approved, you've gone the other way. And so the balancing act between those, I think is, is an important one. And even, even as a startup, you know, I mean, for us, we're sort of good, not perfect when it comes to the level of governance, you know? And so there's one part of, you want to have clear, precise documentation that explains a thing, but you don't want it so detailed that no one's ever going to read it. And so there's a balancing act between how much you document, how and why, and how useful is it afterwards. Yeah, completely agree. No point making a Bible if no one's going to read it. (laughs) It's just get shit done. Yeah, and and we've got some Bibles. I mean, I think the flip side to that is, you know, you might have one of our documents and it's like, oh, fuck, it's 70 pages. Is anyone going to read this? (laughs) And so, you know, here's 10 things or here's five things just pay attention to this if nothing else here's your checklist and so balancing between if you know if you need to go mega deep where and how is this documented or recorded be that in a video or where is it that there's four or five things to make sure you check and then away you go completely agree i've got so i've got to ask questions i think this is the third time we're going to shout out scott brink already but one thing <laughs> people think about martech they think about that big infographic they think about all the sections all the different tools and you know it's over i think what ten thousand now there's regional ones i've seen you done like the uk martech landscape i've seen it in the netherlands and so forth there's sales tech which is you know coming into the thousands how how do you see the actual market growing? There's there's so many tools. Do you still see it? Is it going to kind of consolidate? Are there going to be more? Yeah. I mean, actually, first of all, I think we should give um, Franz a little shout out. So I always butcher his surname, so I'll apologize now. It's Franz <laughs> Rimmerer. He's a really good friend and another MarTech nerd. And to be honest, he doesn't get mentioned nearly as much as Scott, but he's right up there as well. And so he worked very closely with him on the most recent landscape. So important to note some of the hard work he did alongside Scott. But yeah, it's moving exponentially. What do I think? Consolidation or will we see more innovation? I think we'll see a bit of both. Um, sounds like I'm sitting on the fence there. <laughs> yeah. I do think, <laughs> I, I mean, I, look, I think there's there's room there's room for innovation still. And I think some of that innovation comes in the plug and play stuff, the ecosystems, you know, whether it's whether it's an app that plays beautifully with Salesforce, or HubSpot or Marketo, whatever else is, there's a bunch of really great, simple plug and play solutions that featureize something and just do it to the nth degree. So I think there'll be a lot more of that because there's plenty of space for it. It's quicker, easier to get going. And that sort of somewhere leads into at what point do you consider those to be really market solutions or are they just so small you wouldn't consider them within the pure landscape itself? So I think there will definitely be more innovation in that space. And let's let's count that as part of MarTech. I think there'll be more mm. innovation in that space. I think, obviously, 
the tech markets have had a real shakeup. You know, we've gone from you've got to grow at all costs yeah. to we've got to think more about capital efficiency. And so that is going to shake up the market. What that's going to mean is there is still plenty of investment in MarTech, the sales tech and a bunch of other areas are sitting around this space. But I think it's not going to be what it was. And what's going to happen is they're going to be providers that have got good technologies, good systems, good product market fit, but maybe weren't ready for the reckoning that's happened in the markets in the last sort of two, three months. So I think the net result of that will mean some more consolidation. I think there'll be some great players that will be acquired and swallowed up by others. I think there's probably still room for areas such as around sort of data management. I think there's room for for more vendors, more competition. And as data explodes even more, I think that's a space we'll continue to see growth. Pretty much um, anyone close to a CDP will add those letters or rejig around. CDPs are incredibly (laughs) growing popularity. I think there's some players that call themselves that that aren't really. But yeah, I do think we're also going to have, for me, I think there's recessions around the corner. So there's going to be there's going to be instances where there's going to be some amazing talent that's moving between businesses as well. So as part of, and we've seen this just recently, actually, there's been a, a few sort of notable MarTech businesses that have cut back uh, in recent months. I think there's, that's going to result with some great talent in the market that's going to move around a little bit. And we're going to see some consolidation through these acquisitions mm-hmm. where perhaps some vendors don't have the runway and perhaps can't make quite the right case for the latest round of investment at the right valuations. Yeah. yeah, And then talking about growth, I know we briefly touched upon at the start about it was previously MarTech Alliance and now it's LXA. And you've gone from focusing just on marketing technology to looking at sales tech and kind of learning and kind of um, customer service and so forth. So how do you see them all fitting together? And what, what really kind of pushed the move from MarTech and focusing more widely to this kind of LXA rebrand? Yeah, I mean, what one question I have asked myself this is, why have you waited until Martech's really hot to rename your business? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get this inflection point and everyone's like, oh, Martech, I know what it is now. You know, pandemic, yeah. we've digitized what we do. Um, and then I decided to change. Um, so, so for me, one thing is I'm thinking much more than the next month, six months, 12 months. I'm thinking about the vision of the business. And what that means is a few things. One is market, is, we, we love a word, but maybe not forever. We like to rebrand. We love branding, and sometimes that's in words. And so, will Martech be the word we continue to use in three years, five years, ten years? Maybe, but maybe not. So, there's one part of sort of somewhat future proofing. The other part is I think Martech overspills in lots of areas. And then the third is you know, there's a little bit of a challenge around we're not the or we weren't the only business that had the word Martech in it. And so, from an identity perspective, you know, it becomes not confusing because we've got a very strong brand, a loyal community, and people recognize us not for our name, but for who we are and the experience we deliver, the products we produce. But I wanted to I wanted to have a clearer who we are and where we're headed. And who we are and where we're headed is um, we're MarTech, Sales Tech, Next Tech. But another way is if we sort of look at the communities that sit underneath those, we have marketers. We have um, sales, revenue, and growth people, and then we have innovation, transformation, and digital. And so really the reality is they are communities that sit very close to each other. And so I was wanting to look at the opportunities that exist around cross-pollination between these audiences, but also around alignment as well. And so, you know, you may be working in a company where the transformation officer or the innovation officer 
is working with the CMO or the head of marketing or the marketing technologists and also working with the sales team and the revenue officers and the growth officers because they're working on a CRM project. And so I don't think that MarTech is exclusive. I think it overspills. And so that was one of the reasons. The other is from a learning perspective is at the heart of what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people. I sound like a hard pitch. Yeah, I'm not. I'll, I'll use our expressions, which are it's keep upgrading. And we, we think of that from skills, knowledge, network. We think about events, courses, resources. We just think it's important to keep learning at the heart. Of what you do is you've got to be smarter than yesterday. And we want to continually help people do that in lots of different ways. And as much as I love MarTech and I think it's critical to marketers' journey, I think they will end up overspilling into sales tech, into next tech. And, and I want to provide a space where they don't have to go elsewhere. I want to provide a centralized place they can keep learning continuously. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so and, and that next tech, so that's looking forward, that's a bit broader in terms of the, the yeah. you kind of left it open there, right? I've left it open-ish. And the ish part is we still want a marketing sales or experience lens on it. Yeah. So let, let me give you some specific examples here. We'll go for some of the buzzwordy, hypey areas such as web free, NFTs, metaverse. Yeah. They are clearly early days, early days. And how real will they be? To what degree will they disrupt and redefine marketing and sales? Some, maybe all. And so we don't want to produce a space that is for everything and anything that is technology. We want to make sure it's still connected to our core audience where we started. And so it's with a marketing or sales or experience lens. So it may be marketing in a web-free world. So with the decentralization of the world and the introduction of new ways of thinking about whether it's, it could be around NFTs, for example. And so suddenly the way in which, I'll give you a good example. So you've got Gary V with V Friends and through his NFTs, you buy an yeah. NFT and as part of that, you get access to events. And through those events, you have a unique experiences for a unique community. You take a business like ours, you know, we're certainly not in a place right now we're thinking about producing our own NFTs that have core utility, but there could be a place in which that's a lot more common. And we're not looking about we're not looking about the traditional transaction of give us 500 notes and come to a great event. We are core 1000 audience that love everything we do. And we give them the opportunity to buy an NFT from us that enables us to then give you ongoing, unique community get-togethers and other other areas of experience. And so we're just setting ourselves up that we are ready to ready to adapt as the world changes. Because part of my belief around learning is you've got to adapt to the world around you and the opportunity that exists there. And that's what we want to make sure we give to our community. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree. And I think it, it's obviously can be a mode space like in terms of the NFTs, but. Yeah, when you're offering value in the community, then it makes it makes perfect sense. The V friend is the only NFT that that I've bought because of that, and because I'm a bit of a Gary V fanboy. <laughs> it's um, not just having a board ape for the sake of it; it's actually yeah. got a service behind it. Yeah, it makes much more sense. Yeah, I mean, just just on the NFT part there. I mean, so so one, I'll, I'll I'll definitely be very clear. I'm not an expert in this space. Um, you know, it's a place I'm looking to learn a lot more meet smart, interesting people and listen and ask questions. My take on it right now is, I mean, I'm, there are different types of NFT. And I would say there's, if I broadly cut it in half, I'd go there is some stuff which is about art. And I'm I'm going to just fess up and say I'm not a particularly arty person. Therefore, yeah. I probably don't appreciate something in that space. 
And so there is a part of NFTs, which is around you buy it because you love the artists and you love the design and you want to own a part of that. For me, that's less interesting. The part for me that's interesting is utility. Yeah. Is that NFT yeah. just literally represents that you belong to a thing and what comes from the access and what comes from the ways in which you distribute that. And so whether you call it an NFT, whether you call it tokenization, whether it's rebranded to something else later on, I think the concept will exist. You know, the concept of sort of smart contracts, I think, is is what matters. Yeah. So just a, a slight change and, and perhaps a, a quicker one, which is, so we talked about the different areas and before we've talked about, you know, the overall stack. In terms of like who who should own that? And clearly, you know, it's it's a big area and there's different parts to it. But how, how do you see it working in organizations? Because there's sales, there's the marketing tools, which enables them. There's obviously, you know, tech generally, there's your product people, or is it collaborative? I think it's, um, it's collaborative. You don't want to have too many cooks. You don't want to have, you know, complete lack of ownership, but you do want to have collaboration. I would bucket it into it's a marketing technologist, but that that there's a range of different types of marketing technologists. You know, could that be a technologist that happens to understand marketing? Well, yeah, it could be for sure. Could it be a digital transformation specialist that with a marketing background or has gone very deep? It could be. Could it be a marketer? That's a techie marketer, definitely as well. Yeah. And so it, I think it slightly matters less a little bit about the job title or more about the individual. And so the, the core of that person, I think they've got to understand more than one world. They've got to understand a marketing world. Uh, if they're working on sales projects, a sales world, and they've got to understand a technology world. And so it's that mix. And so they're somewhat rounded. They don't need to be an absolute specialist in every single one because you can't be everything and anything, but they should have a good rounded access and understanding and they should be close to the technologies they're helping get in place. And they should play nice. They should also play nice and be helpful in terms of being able to bring teams together, influence and access people, whether that's influencing and connecting with a technology team or a marketing team. So some of that's also the type of individual, the core skill sets they have that I find particularly helpful. People of influence and people who are curious and want to learn and that sort of play with things and go to a, a new area build their knowledge in it before someone's been there first and then can bring that and adapt it to a project. Mm. And talking on playing nice and different functions, the age-long battle of sales and marketing. It's always you know, <laughs> one of the key questions we have to ask. We've got sales in one corner, going direct revenue, kind of pushing out, you know, thinking they own the shop. We've got marketing in the other corner, doing the wider branding things, the more exciting things, and in our opinion, the best things by far. How, how would you make the two functions align more or start to work closer or shouldn't they? Yeah, I think one is you could take some of the roles which have been evolving more and more, like a growth officer or a revenue officer. Hmm. So a, a growth officer would be responsible for both marketing and sales, or a revenue officer would be uh, marketing, sales, and customer success. And so that's one scenario, is you could you could have a, a structure in an organization here where you have somebody that transcends departments and thinks about tip-to-toe of the funnel. Yeah. I think whether it's that person or whether it's someone that lives in marketing or lives in sales, I think it's just helpful. I think it's helpful to to think beyond your core area and to focus on the business outcomes. And so your business outcomes are probably grow the business, retain customers, improve customer experience. And whether you're in sales or marketing, those should all be true. 
And so I think some of it's about mindset. I would I would encourage people to think more about business outcomes and their role in it, but also the role of others. And I think that the best ways of working are collaboratively. This is all easier, much easier said than done. You know, not everybody plays yeah. nicely. <laughs> And sometimes you get into those games of like trying to influence and connect people. I'll, I'll, I'll confess that I could never be an enterprise because I just think it's more people, it's more challenging. It's not anyone's fault. It just happens. I think for me, that's why I love the startup world because there's fewer people and it's easier to bring people together when you're in smaller teams. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't provide much of a solution. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a larger <laughs> company and listening, I would say you've got to accept the environment you're in and find ways to get the most from it. Um, yeah. Mm. Or, or bounce out of it and just decide, no, nah, this ain't for me. I want to do something different. But I, I'd encourage reading more around sort of growth officers, revenue officers, that type of structure. It tends to be a little bit more common in tech businesses, which operate in slightly more progressive ways. Um, and it's just some people stuff. You know, it's people yeah. stuff. It's, you know, it is go for a beer. It is try and connect more, make an effort, spend some time, understand someone else's role. You know, if you're a marketer working on a CRM project, I'd genuinely say get on the phone. I'd say try and do 30, 40, 50 dials a day. Understand the process beginning to end. Mm. You'll understand in so much better what the hell a salesperson needs. Yeah. Get close to it. Completely. Two more quick questions. And speaking of, of beers, and, and I'm not just saying this, but one of my favorite events, in fact, the only one that I do attend every single year is your Anticon Global. You have, I mean, you had amazing people that that you've you've had. You had Stephen Bartlett last time. I mean, through your events, you've done work with Gary V and Seth Godin. Who who have you got for us? Because it's uh, coming up soon. It is. It is. It's, it's coming around the corner in October. Um, well, we mentioned him already. I feel like I should be I should be earning off the back of this. The mountain plugging <laughs> Scott Brinker, um, but he's keynoting. Yeah, he will be keynoting the event, which is amazing. Um, obviously, Scott never fails to deliver. He's always got an amazing session. And then alongside him, we have Pam Didner. So she's very very um, well known around sales technology space, sales enablement, as well as also content marketing. She's amazing. She's been a really really great session with her. And then um, course instructor of ours, Daryl Alfonso, he's, he's sort of an, another MarTech nerd, very, very big, probably one of the most followed, if not the most followed person around marketing operations. He's, uh, he leads global marketing operations at AWS. So we've got those three amazing speakers and a ton more. We've got Tom Goodwin, sort of tech contrarian. And then we've got some online sessions. We've got, oh, Scott Galloway. That one's going to be fun. He's a character mm. as well. All the rock stars of marketing and sales in one place. That sounds, this is it. That sounds epic. <laughs> <laughs> and then fi- final question, as I know we're coming to the end of our time, we, we normally ask everyone for one tip or takeaway for the audience. And we know, you know, there won't be a tool that will solve everything or there won't be anything that can magically change marketing upside down or improve everything. But what would, what would be your one takeaway tip for people listening? I'll, do, I'll give you a tool and a tip. My tip would be go learn, go learn, get curious. And by learning, it can be books, it can be tweets, it can be just go learn, just make sure you're smarter today than yesterday. And I think um, that just is the easiest way to accelerate your career, earn more money, do cool stuff. I'll, I'll rant for one, or to drift slightly for one moment. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to marketing. And part of how I accelerated that nerdiness was I, I gave up caring about football, like Stop watching it, literally stop watching it, stop playing it and just went, that's a lot of time. I'm going to take all of that time and I'm going to reinvest it in reading, in doing shit, in learning more about the space to accelerate my knowledge and experience. You don't need to go to that extreme. It's probably not healthy for anyone, but certainly go learn, find ways to learn that you enjoy, bake it into your day every single day. I think it's super helpful on your tip. 
Tool-wise, depends on the type of company, but I'm just going to say CDPs for me are kind of the solution that provides the greatest number of fixes to common business use cases. A CDP at the heart of your marketing stack can be transformative. Yes, there's a load of other stuff to consider outside of technology, but when it comes to tech, if you don't have a CDP in play, it can be pretty transformative. And if you do have one in play, there's probably some smart things you can keep doing with it. Getting that single customer ID in one place. Yeah, completely agree. Awesome. Thank you. I love that. Also, get curious. I mean, that's what I always say to look for in a marketer. So that was great. Carlos, thank you so much. I mean, there's so much we haven't even touched on data management, cookies, you know, coming up. So um, maybe we'll save that for another time. But no, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Nice to see you, Seps.